Well, hello, and thank you so much for choosing to tune in and be a part of this thing known as the CMYK podcast. My name is Matt, and before we jump into the talk this week, got a couple big things that we want to make sure that you are in the know of. We talked about it in our previous podcast and week, but we as CMYK Church are moving our Sunday gatherings from being two gatherings in the morning and the evening, and we're going down to one mega gathering, if you will, uh, and that's going to be at 5 p.m. on Sundays starting January 5th, so 2020. We're starting the new year with a bang by having one gathering at 5 p.m. on Sundays. And on top of that, we're also going to be moving locations as well. Um, we have found a really, really great location in downtown Billings that we think is going to work so great for our t- adult gatherings. Um, and on top of that, it's going to work good for our kids programming as well. It's going to be Craft Local, which is located on Montana Avenue in Billings, Montana. And it's just going to be a really, really special, I think, beautiful space for us to do the work of CMYK together on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. So I want to make sure that you are in the know of that and that you hopefully would be someone that would come and check out one of these gatherings starting in January because I think it's just going to be really, really special to get the whole community, the whole church together to be interacting around a table together like we do. And Craft Local is just going to be a really special place to do that. There's tables and chairs compared to, you know, chairs bolted down in rows like we currently see at Art House. And so a much more kind of communal space and space to connect with people a lot easier. So I think it's going to work really, really well. Hope to see you there. All right, we're going to jump into this week's talk as it's a part of our Advent series. As always, thank you so much for being a part of listening in and being a part of creating this beautiful way forward together as CMYK. If you need to know any more information about any of the things that I'm talking about or just about this thing known as CMYK or you're interested in contributing and being a part of this community on a financial level, we would be so grateful for that. Anything that you can give, anything that you can donate is a huge part of us moving forward and continuing to do this work as CMYK. Hope you're well and without further ado, here is the talk. Uh, we're, we're, we're in this series called Advent, and what Advent is, is this anticipation or this waiting. And so, um, like I usually do, I'm going to tell a couple stories, make some observations, and then uh, leave you with no answers, only questions, because that's where I've arrived on this, that uh, I feel like every, every day I add to my life, I understand less about life, um, but I do have a capacity to ask more questions, and so that's what you get from me today. I teach sixth grade social studies, and it is a fantastic job. Um, sixth graders are really fun because they're, they're still young enough to be quirky and weird, and they're just on the cusp of becoming jerks because seventh graders are jerks. And so it's just this really fun group that I get to hang out with every single day. Um, and I teach ancient civilizations. Um, and, and one of the most important things we study in ancient civilizations is mythology. Mythology is really important. I tell students that because mythology and religion, what it does is it informs people how they view the world and how they interact with each other then. And so mythology is this really powerful component of my job to talk about. And it's a lot of fun because uh, the mythology found across ancient civilizations is just beautiful. It's really, it's really, really fun. And it's always fun to <clears throat> help students draw connections to uh, ancient mythology and the stuff that they believe maybe today or the things we see now. There's a story from ancient Greece about a man named Prometheus. Uh, Prometheus was a titan 
in the ancient uh, Greek mythology who um, was responsible for creating humans. Matt, could I get my picture of Prometheus? Ah, handsome devil. He was charged with creating the humans from clay. And so the humans were... Sorry about your guitar, Matt. The humans were... um, not supposed to be like the gods, but Prometheus in his creation of the humans wanted to make him as close to the gods as possible. So he made them walk upright, he gave them life and formed them, but his affinity for the humans grew and grew and grew because they were his creation. And so the story goes that in order to make the humans more like the gods, Prometheus stole fire from Athena's workshop and gave it to the humans. This is a really big deal because what this means for the humans is they now have this opportunity to develop this thing called culture. Now they can cook their food, they can sit around the fire and talk. Having fire means different tool making and technology. And so giving the humans fire was a really, really important step to them becoming more like the gods. Well, this pissed off Zeus because Zeus did not want the humans to be like the gods. And so Prometheus's punishment was to be uh, chained to a boulder for all eternity and have a vulture pick at his liver and eat it every single day. Overnight, the liver would regenerate, and every day the vulture would come back to pick at his liver. And I get to tell stories like this to sixth graders because it's really fun because there's a lot of obvious morals we can pull out of it and fun stuff we get to talk about. But this one's interesting to me because the story of Prometheus tells me something, that our actions sometimes have consequences, And sometimes the consequences of those actions are wounds that never heal. I've looked back at 2019 and um, I've had to do a lot of reflection because 2019 ate my lunch, beat me up real good. Um, But one of the things that I realized in 2019 is that I have this wound that won't heal. My father and I have always had a very fractured relationship. Um, he's got um, some addiction problems. He's he's a, he's an interesting character. I really owe all of the good things about myself to my father. He handed me a lot of really good qualities, but um, in the midst of all that, over 30 years of life, he's really damaged our relationship. And so, um, in some of the decisions he's made and the ways we've interacted, I decided about 18 months ago to cut my father completely out of my life, to just stop talking to him, to remove myself from relationship with him. Because what I thought, as I thought that his actions were the things causing me wounds. And so for 18 months, I haven't talked to my father, and he's actually tried to contact me. He's, he's reached out through friends. He's called and left voicemails, and I haven't listened to him. So I have like five unlistened to voicemails from my dad on my phone that have been sitting on there for some of them for a year because I'm like scared. And I work out in Lockwood, which is where he lives, and I'm just waiting for the day we run into each other at the gas station, or I'm I'm waiting for the moment that we uh, are cornered in some public space and I'm forced to interact with my dad. And I carry this fear with me every single day. Not a day has gone by over the past 18 months that I don't think about my dad. And and I, I realized that just like Prometheus, that it wasn't my father's actions that caused the wound that I'm carrying, it was mine. It was my decision to cut my father out of my life and not handle things differently with him and not approach the relationship differently or set better boundaries or have different conversations or something like that. 
But just like Prometheus, I feel chained to this boulder with this wound that will never heal because every day it's just picked at and then it regenerates and it's picked at and it regenerates and this wound won't go away. And, and so this is the power of mythology because these mythological stories tell us a lot about ourselves as humans, but they also provide, I don't know if answers is the right word, but they provide something for us to look at differently. So in the book of Isaiah, we have this prophecy, this, this writing to these people who, uh, much like my 2019, their entire existence has been them getting beat up. And a lot of their actions have caused some permanent wounds for them. That the, the, this group of people called the Israelite people, they are, just, they, are, they are beat up, they are damaged, they are broken, and they have these, they have these wounds that won't heal. And so Isaiah starts writing these prophecies, looking towards the future, talking about a potential Messiah that is going to uh, appear on the scene and start to fix some things. And so in Isaiah 35, we see this language. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like crocus, like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and the streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on, on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away." The word I used to use for a passage of scripture like this was um, uh, redemption. But, but I think that there are, there's a better word that I can use. So, so if you believe, now hear me, if you believe in this thing called the Christian mythology, religion, then this is a very hopeful piece of language. Because what this means is there's someone who's going to come and fix all of this that we see imagery, very vivid imagery of things healing. I had the chance to go to Israel a couple years ago. Um, very powerful experience for me. But of all the language in that scripture, the one that sticks out the most, because we see like physical healing, we see mental healing, emotional healing, but there's something about the land that is fascinating to me. Because as I was a Montana boy, you see the word wilderness in the Bible and you think the, the Beartooth Mountains where there's like trees and mountains and, and lush and it's beautiful, but it's the wilderness and it's rugged. The wilderness in Israel is much more barren. It looks more like this. This is a picture from the top of a place called Masada and that's the wilderness. That Israel's kind of split into two parts. There's this top part that's like lush and green and there's this bottom part that is just wilderness and desert. 
And really, the only vegetation you see are trees like this. And this, by the way, this was a lush area. Whew, this was nice. If you wanted some shade, this is the place to get it. But this is what the wilderness looks like. So when you see um, in the scriptures, uh, Jesus wandering the wilderness, uh, the Israelites wandering the wilderness, this is what we're talking about. It's, it's desolate. It's ugly. It's, it's hot. And then the, the, in Isaiah 35, he has this imagery that this wilderness will have the glory of a place called Lebanon and Carmel and Sharon. And, and so then we had the chance to go north in Israel to the area called the Galilee. And we went to a place called Mount Carmel, where as far as you could see, it was lush and green. So this is a picture from the top of a monastery on top of Mount Carmel. And we get up there, and I thought I had way more pictures than I had. But I realized that when we got up there, we were all in awe of the view. Because this is one of the highest points in the area, so you can just see for miles around, towns, cities, everything, and it's just lush and green and beautiful. I think I got a panorama show. This is like garden up top, just beautiful. The, the wild flowers on the hillside were incredible, and as far as you can see, it's just great. Lush, green, and beautiful, and healthy. And, and I love this imagery of healing, that even that this Messiah is going to be so important that even the land will heal. Everything gets a chance to heal. Which is frustrating. Because I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to heal. I don't know what to do about my father or about some of the events of 2019. I don't know, I don't know what to do about this Promethean wound that I have that will not get better. And, and this troubles me because I'd love to sit here and tell you the three steps to healing or, you know, some, something to help you, but I don't have any answers on how to heal, and it's been frustrating for me. I carry around this little notebook with me everywhere I go, and, and starting this year, I just wrote on, I, I finally titled my little notebook, I just called it The Art of Healing. And I'm just writing down everything I can, every experience, observation, thing that goes on, because I'm trying to find an answer to this thing called healing. I want to get better. I want to look at a like like I want to look at this thing like Isaiah 35 and say, yeah, just like the land, just like the people, physical ailments, mental, emotional, everything gets better. But but I'll be honest, I I tried the belief in Jesus thing and I, I still got hurt. And the weird thing about the Bible is, I, I, and, and the Christian faith is I don't think that if you just believe in it, stuff gets better. There's other sacred work you have to do. Uh, when I was still a pastor, I, I read this book called The Wounded Healer by a guy named Henry Nowen. And it's to this day the most important, one of the most important books I've ever read because even if you're not a pastor or minister, it's just this little 90-page book about the human experience and the heart. And, and in it, I actually wrote this down and I've been looking at it for years, but in it, Henry Nowen says this. Many people suffer because of the false supposition on which they have based their lives. That supposition is that there should be no fear or loneliness, no confusion or doubt. But these sufferings can only be dealt with creatively when they are understood as wounds integral to our human condition. Therefore, ministry is a very confronting service. It does not allow people to live with illusions of immortality and wholeness. 
It keeps reminding others that they are mortal and broken, but also with that recognition of this condition, liberation starts. And so, all I have for you today is this. We all have wounds that we're carrying. There's all, all assortment of things going on in our lives that, that we have a wound like Prometheus that will not heal. And on the flip side of that, we have this other mythological scripture of Isaiah 35 that says, no, don't worry, healing's going to happen. And, and we're somewhere in between. And I think the only starting point I can offer you is what Henry Nouwen is saying, is that we acknowledge that we are carrying some very deep wounds in our human condition. Relational, emotional, spiritual, physical, uh, uh, mental, psychological, all of these things are things that can be damaged in our human condition. And, and the only way for us to start healing is to start acknowledging that those wounds exist. I'm going to my therapist on Monday, tomorrow, to talk to her about a process of starting to reconcile with my father. Because I'm sick of these past 18 months of having this wound. And... And because of this Advent thing, so thanks, Matt, because of this Advent talk, it's the realization that I'm very damaged. I feel like Prometheus chained to the boulder, and I can only assume that some of you do too. And, and so I've got one question for you today. What wounds need to heal? Because if now one is talking about this thing called liberation, this, this image of Isaiah 35, that someday this will be healed, we have to start somewhere and we have to ask what's damaged, what's hurting, what's broken. The Christ narrative continually fascinates me because of its um, depth. When I first departed um, my religious system of Christianity, I, I wrote Christianity off as shallow and silly. And I'm finding more and more that there is this depth to these ideas that are far beyond anything I could ever comprehend. And so at this table is one of these really deep ideas that for some reason, no matter what, the Christ narrative comes back to this table. That, that at this table is the opportunity to acknowledge our wounds, the, the opportunity to start the liberation process. And Christ, in front of his buddies one night, said, take the bread, take the cup, start healing. And so, as we approach 2020, I want you to think about what wounds need to heal in your life. I'm trying to figure mine out too. And if now one's right, if the image of Isaiah 35 is right and good, then the, the only place I can start is acknowledging that I have them. And maybe that's a good starting point for you too. So we'll play some music for you. Come down to the table, bread and cup. And I would just encourage you to start thinking on some of the wounds that you might have that need to start healing. What wounds need to heal? I, I'm pretty confident that my father's not my only one. But I think there's some relief in the fact that I at least have a starting point. That I could acknowledge in my very frail human condition that 
I've got wounds. And, you know, maybe unlike Prometheus, I have the chance to break away from the boulder and scare the vulture away. It's my hope for you in 2020. We begin to heal. Sure do love you guys. Um, thanks for always giving me a place and a space to challenge me and hopefully give you some thoughts to think. <laughs>